0: All right. Well, we're continuing on. Yeah, we're not continuing on. We're going to talk about the Lord's Supper today. I told you we're going to start in Ephesians uh, this week, but I thought since we're having communion, the Lord's Supper, that we would spend our time talking about that today. And I have to say, kind of on the front end, that this can be a very heavy passage, the passage we're going to look at, and it can be kind of a thick passage and, and maybe even a little bit difficult to work through i want to just say i trust that you're here this morning because god has something specifically for you it may not be every single point in this message so just trust that god is going to give you something some truth from his word through his holy spirit as you're gathered with his people that you personally need he knows what you need and so just kind of keep your eyes open. And if something's like, I don't even understand what the world he's talking about, then that's probably not the thing that God has for you today. So we'll just kind of go through and, and keep your heart open to what the Lord may have for you. So we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper, and we're going to talk about a church that was really, really messed up in the way that they handled it. And so the passage is 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen 17 to 34. I will have the verses along with a few other notes up here. But if you want to follow along in in your own uh, Bible or translation or on your phone, go ahead and uh, you can turn there. So what I want to start by doing is telling you a little bit about this Corinthian church. So they ended up getting things straightened out later. But Paul's first letter to them he wrote a letter to them and, and they were believers. And right in the very first chapter, he tells them and makes very clear that they are believers in Jesus Christ. They're Christians. They're saved people. This group but they're living really worldly, they're having all kinds of issues, the whole letter essentially is a a correction, the first Corinthians is is a bunch of correction, it was so, and they were really proud of themselves, that was one of the problems, is they really thought they were wise, when he's saying the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, and he's, he's trying to say like, you guys got it all messed up, you think you're really wise, but you're not, and they were proud of how spiritual they were and the freedom that they had in their church uh, even to the point that to where there were some incestual type relationships in the church and it was full of division and different types of division so even in chapter one he starts out and he's like you guys are arguing with each other and you guys are saying i'm of paul no i'm of apollos no i'm of peter and then the, the really spiritual group says like well we're of jesus christ and he's like the whole point is you guys are all divided up and then there was also, as we're re- going to read about today, they had kind of become a little bit cliquish or put themselves into different categories um, and weren't treating each other the way that they should have been treating each other. And so this church is just chock full of problems. And the specific thing that he's addressing in the passage we're going to look at today is the Lord's Supper and what, we, what they would refer to as the love or agape feast. And so the Lord's Supper, as we know, or maybe you don't know, is this, I'll just say a couple different phrases, ceremony, tradition, memorial that Christ handed off to his followers and said, this is what I want you to do to remember me and to remember what I've done the lord's supper was a a command it was an instruction you guys do this and so that's why we continue to do it that's what his followers are called to do but the love feast was just this other part and our agape feast is where they would usually celebrate the lord's supper so they would get together and they would and they would do it regularly if you look at acts two it looked like sometimes they were doing this like day on a daily basis And they would get together, and they would fellowship, and it would become part of worship and teaching. They would have teaching and worship and maybe gather at somebody's house. And then they would say, well, let's celebrate the Lord's Supper at this love feast or agape feast. And it was kind of like maybe like our Sunday social, but someone's – hopefully our Sunday social doesn't end up like theirs did, but – it would, it would be a kind of a gathering together where you're celebrating the Lord's Supper, remembering Christ, but also spending time together, fellowshipping, in the oneness that he, he gave you. So here's the problem kind of at the outset. They have an improper understanding of Christ's work on the cross and what it's accomplished for us. So they're getting together, and we're going to see Paul's even like, you'd be better off not getting together the way you're doing it. And so they had totally flip-flopped things and had things upside down. So I'm going to start reading through this passage. Let me pray one more time, and and then we'll go through it. Father, I ask that you would open our hearts and minds to your scriptures, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, uh, illuminate what needs to be illuminated, encourage those who need to be encouraged, teach those who need to be taught, correct those who need to be corrected. And we're putting that in your hands. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we're gonna start going through this and I'll just explain a few things. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. So in other words, it'd be better if you didn't even get together. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. I'll explain that. Well, let me explain that now. So the divisions, sometimes when we think of divisions, we think of two people at odds with each other, shouting at each other, right? Like there's this, conflict going on that's not necessarily what was going on and this will make a little more sense in a few minutes the divisions were more like separations and so if you kind of think about it like this everybody's on a same airplane but there's a division you have your first class and you have your coach they're all headed the same place they all have the same purpose in mind they're all wanting to do the same thing but there's this kind of separation you have this group and you have that group. And what happened in this church is it wasn't necessarily that they were sitting there shouting at each other and using profanity and gossiping and doing all these things. It, it was that the, someone needs to help Margarita learn how to shut that, <laughs> that volume off. Um, that's okay. No problem. It happens to all of us. I realized last week mine was on. Um, I did afterwards. I was like, thank goodness no one called me as usual just kidding just kidding. <laughs> kidding um so these divisions these separations okay he's like there's all these separations you've kind of divided yourself up into cliques the haves and the have nots the cool and the uncool the rich and the poor he didn't put all those exact uh, categories but that was the kind of division it wasn't outright animosity being spread it was just this attitude and he says, "For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you." And now we could go into a lot on this, but I'm just going to say, I believe what Paul's saying here? Yeah, there are going to be divisions in a church or in a group, and sometimes that's necessary to show who's being faithful and who's not. But that's not what's going on here with you guys. Like what you guys, the divisions happening here is not OK. Sometimes division can lead to some good things, and you can start to see what's true in people's hearts, and you can acknowledge those who are approved, but that's, you guys, the way you guys are divided is not a good thing. Therefore, when you come together at one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. So they're, they're saying they're going to get together, yeah. So, well, well let me just kind of go. It's, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper for an eating. Each one takes his own supper ahead of others. One is hungry, another is drunk. What? do you not have houses to eat and drink in? So imagine this, we're all going to get together for the agape feast. And we get a call from, uh, we, the text goes out and it's going to be at uh, Ned and Emery's house. Hey, agape feast this Thursday, Ned and Emery's house. We're all like, okay, cool. We're going to have the, the Lord's supper as usual. And that would be like, we're going to get together and have the Lord's supper. Remember Christ. Like we're gathering together to remember Christ and what he did and that we're all made one. But what ends up happening is people start showing up and you start to see kind of these differences. So maybe one group, like they're already, uh, you know, they sold their business years ago. They got plenty of income. They got plenty of money. They don't have to work during the day. They show up. They've had all day to pack their ice chest and they're bringing all these awesome snacks. Of course, they don't have anything generic. It's all name brand stuff. And uh, what's the great steak that has all the marbly stuff well, yeah say it again wagyu or something like that wagyu yeah uh me neither oh. uh and they're like "Whoo, got my stuff hey ned can you come out here and help me bring my ice chest in and then you have these others it says one takes his own supper ahead of the others and so they start grilling up their stuff they're eating their things they're t- taking care of it and then you have the others they're working overtime And they just were barely able to make ends meet. They barely were able to put gas in their car to get over there. And they're the ones with the thing of peanut butter and Ritz. And that's what they show up with. And so you have this group who are kind of like, whoo-hoo, time to to celebrate together. And you have this group and they're eating. They're already picking out. And these others that are showing up late and they got their Ritz and uh, peanut butter. And then you got the other guy and he's like, Thursday, I got paid on Friday. I'm bringing a case of beer here. They're showing up drunk, so you see, you got quite a crowd here and quite a situation. And they're supposed to be gathering together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and they're doing it under the umbrella of this Agape feast, but it's turned into the exact opposite of what Christ is wanting for them. He's like, "Don't you have houses to eat and drink in?" Like you're doing all this like if you want your wagyu steak eat it at your house man not that's not what you bring to the thing and so kind of one of the points he's making here is that we've been made one in christ and i want to go through a few verses he says for you are all this is in another passage but uh, kind of gives the heart of how they should have been thinking for you are all sons of god through faith in jesus christ For as many of you were baptized into Christ and put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what he's saying there, and even in scripture, he acknowledges slaves and free people. He acknowledges speaking to the Jews, to the Greeks. He acknowledges speaking to men and women. He gives instructions specifically to those. He's not saying like, there's no man and there's no woman. We're all unisex in the body of Christ. What he's saying is you are all united. There's no better, there's no worse. And that's not your identity is, oh, I'm a man, oh, I'm a business owner, oh, I'm a a slave owner, oh, I'm just a, a, a lowly slave, oh, I'm a male, oh, I'm a female. The idea is we are one in Christ. We've been united in Christ. There shouldn't be a bunch of separations. In Ephesians, he gives some instructions. He says, Paul, again, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness. Now imagine if this group in Corinth would have come into it with this attitude. They're like, you know what? Let's walk with lowliness and gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And they just said, you know what? There's one body, one spirit. We're called in one hope one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all and so you can begin to see where the corinthians weren't understanding what jesus had made them they were totally off track and they were more uh wrapped up with themselves and so he he says as paul says Do you despise the church of God? Now that word despise has the idea of, do you think nothing of? Do you think so little of? Do you look down on? The problem was they had a low opinion of the church. God has a high opinion of the church. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, As we're gonna celebrate communion. I sent my son to die for this group of people. He has a high opinion of the church and they, by the way they're acting, show that they don't think much of, the church. It's important for us to have a high opinion of the church. God has a high opinion of the church. It's not a country club. It's not a cool kids club. It's not a self-help place. It's not a moral school. It's the body of Jesus Christ. It's his sons and his daughters, princes and princesses under the king. And that is nothing to be thought lowly of this little church we're not a mega church but you know what we should not think lowly of this church god sent his son to save and redeem and unify and make new and forgive and make whole and make clean this group of people and to bring us together don't think low of the church paradise springs church or any other church God doesn't think low of it. He says, think low of the church and shame those who have nothing. So you're you're, you're actually embarrassing. You're humiliating your brothers and sisters in Christ that Jesus Christ died for. You're putting them to shame. You're making them feel ashamed. They got their writs and their peanut butters and they're feeling like lowlifes over here while you're eating your steak and potatoes. Don't do that. Don't make them feel like less than. They're not less than. Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross to give those people eating the peanut butter crackers the same eternal life that you have. Let's behave like it. That's what he's saying here. Don't look down on the church. Don't look down on your own body, your own family, church family. He says, shall I praise you? And it's like, you guys want a pat on the back? Oh, you're getting together for love feast, huh? Great job. He's like, I'm not going to praise you for this. kind of the bottom line is they're concerned about their own selfish desires rather than using that time to remember christ and live as one and i want to say that so as they gathered it became a selfish endeavor and we need to be careful of that here i think our church does a really good job so i don't want to hear i don't want you to hear any scolding but i also think we need to be careful to make sure the church isn't all about me what i'm going to get the church is about jesus Christ. Him being honored, him being lifted up, him being lived for. As we learn these things, it's so we can live better for Jesus Christ. I understand you want to be ministered to, you want to be fed, you want to be filled up, and that's right, and that's righteous. You want to be encouraged? That's good, all for the purposes of Jesus Christ, not just for ourselves. We need to be careful. If you're just showing up like, oh, that were, there was nothing in it for me today, then you probably showed up with maybe the wrong attitude. And maybe you should be showing up to a, how can I bless? How can I minister? What can I learn to grow? And I'm not saying you're going to walk away on clouds every time you leave here, but I'm saying just as, you, as we look, go like, this is not all about me when the church gathers. It's not all about me. No one even talked to me. Why, how many people did you talk to? Who Did you go and reach out to some new people? Who did you express love to? Who did you bless? Who did you check in on? So we got to kind of be careful there because that's can you see how it parallels what was going on with Corinth they're just like my food my time I got there early and and they were just wrapped up with themselves so here's we're going to go through some instructions one they should have looked back at what Christ did he says I received from the Lord so Paul's speaking so one of the things they could have done to avoid this whole thing and I would say that these are also instructions for us With communion or with the Lord's Supper. One is look back. He says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus Christ, or Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, took the bread when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can you see the humility here, as opposed to the selfishness, the humility, and the sacrifice? The same night he's going to be betrayed, and he knew he was going to be betrayed. He even said, one of you is going to betray me at that time. He's still ministering to them. And so here we see a parallel of how our hearts should be, the humility that we should be going into the Lord's Supper with. And then I want to just talk. He says, take, eat, this is my body. Does that ever freaked anybody out? Like this, his body? and his blood no nobody no one ever really thought about it well i want to kind of just take a minute you don't have to read all this that's just on it i'll email it to you or something there are four views of what he meant when he said that the first is like transubstantiation big fancy words some people typically the the roman catholic believes that during the communion celebration It becomes the literal, physical, like somehow is magically transformed into the literal, physical body and blood of Jesus Christ. There's another view, consubstantiation, which kind of says, it's not as literal, physical body, but it is something real. Jesus is really there, but it's not necessarily physical um and that would be like a lutheran some anglican churches uh would practice that and then i'm going to go down the other one is this presence view and it's kind of like somewhere uh they say well it's a spiritual something special mystical happens during the communion ceremony where christ is appears in a spiritual mystical way that he doesn't at, at other times The other would be the memorial view, which is what we believe. And we believe what he's saying is this is my body means this represents, this is a symbol of my body. This is a demonstration of my body. That's what we here believe, but there are a lot of other beliefs out there. So, Part of this is I want us to understand what we believe here. And if you believe different than that, we can talk about it. You're welcome to come here. We're not asking you to Change your view, what we're telling you what we stand for here is we believe it's a memorial view, a symbol. Just as if like, you know, if uh, an officer dies and all the officers wear a black stripe across the badge, that that's demonstrating it's a symbol of grief and loss and mourning, right? It symbolizes that. No one has to tell you, you see that and you know what happened or what that's about or why they're wearing it, right? That's, so that's kind of the idea. When he says, this is my body, he's saying, this represents, this represents my body. And we say, so my body for you. And so how is it his body for us? One, his body was the payment for our sin. Our sin needed to be paid for, and it was paid for on his body. With his body is what paid for our sins. And for us, in the sense that it was given in place of ours. So if you think about it, This is my body, which was given for you. It was given for our benefit to atone for, to pay for our sins. It was for us. But it was also in place of us because if Jesus Christ didn't pay the price for our sins, then we would have to be held accountable to pay for our own sins. And so as we celebrate and we say, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What we are understanding is He paid for my sin so I wouldn't have to. He paid for my sin so that I don't have to. Broken, the idea of breaking bread. So when Christ even in this, he says he broke the bread. And as he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. We know that Christ's bones weren't broken, but the whole idea of breaking is what happens? They would break a loaf and they would hand it out to people. He broke the loaf and handed it out. The idea is that it was damaged, torn, destroyed. The loaf was no longer whole. It was destroyed in order to nourish and provide life to others. Jesus Christ was broken. His body was torn, destroyed, so that he could provide life, spiritual nourishment that we will die without. So when we celebrate this and his body was broken for you, the idea is that he was broke. He paid for the sins I couldn't pay for. And in that, he is giving me life that I desperately need and can attain no other way except through Jesus Christ. It says in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying the cup, this is the cup in the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So a couple things here. Uh, let me just kind of go so we realize there's a new covenant he says this is the new covenant we're like so what's the old covenant what does that mean are we doing kind of both are we kind of on a hybrid here can we pick and choose the old covenant or what we would say the the old testament the the law what it did was it required that they perform yearly sacrifices to atone for sin and it wouldn't completely cleanse the sin it would cover it for a year And so if you think about a credit card, it's kind of similar. So it's kind of like, yeah, here's a payment on it. Here's a payment on it. Here's a payment on it. Here's a payment on your sin. Here's a payment on your sin. It'll get you through the week. It'll get you through this month. You got your January payment. Okay. You got your February payment. Okay. You were good in 2012, but there's still this big payment, the washing the slate clean, the cleaning the debt off the books that needs to happen. That happened at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's when the payment was washed completely clean. That's why there no longer needs to be a sacrifices for sin. You can look at Hebrews chapter 10, and it talks tons about that. He's like, that payment, the, men, the, the, the sacrifices they make, that didn't take away sins. Jesus Christ took away sins. So that's part what the new covenant means is that now we can have forgiveness, regeneration. These are specific things that are talked about in Jeremiah 31. Be made new, regenerated means born again and dwelt by the holy spirit and it also talks about restoration of israel we're not going to get in that today because that would take a long time but that's also some of the new covenant for the the jews it says death uh, jesus death on the cross his blood is the cup his blood the cup is the basis of the new covenant so when he says this is the new covenant in my blood what he's saying is we're on a whole new operating system here and it was initiated with my blood My death on the cross started a whole new program. You're no longer on the credit card program. You're on the debt-free program. And that was all accomplished at the cross of Jesus Christ. Through the cup, his blood, in other words, his death on the cross, washed the account clean so that we can experience forgiveness. So specifically in, in the New Testament, I want to just talk about this for a minute. I know I'm covering a lot of stuff, but I want us to see how rich and, and full this is. And, and I understand, like, I can't even remember that. We're asking God to show us what you specifically need to latch onto and what maybe you need to be taught or how encouraged or uh, instructed this morning. But we, the Gentiles or Gentile believers, we're given forgiveness. Under the new covenant. And that's part of what we celebrate at communion the fact that our sins have been forgiven. I want you to just think about your sin this week. And imagine if we said, okay, we could somehow you could like scales, just peel it all off and put it here. And then we could have the next person come and peel it off and put it there. Scales. And say, all that is taken away from you, all that is taken away from the members of the body. It's been forgiven. It's been cleansed away. You're no longer responsible to pay for all of those sins. You don't have to suffer eternal damnation separated from God because of those sins that have been taken away from your account. That's good news. So as we celebrate communion, I would encourage you to bask in the forgiveness that you've been given. A lot of us walk under guilt and shame and condemnation all week long. When the fact is we've been made new and we've been made clean. So That's what regeneration is. So he says, I'm not only going to clean you. It would be like, I've used this example and I heard it somewhere before. If you were some people uh, in fact our Carly's mom and sister send us jams and all this stuff. They do a lot of the canning type stuff and all kinds of preserves and blueberry blackberry stuff it's really good stuff the the canning process if you think about it is kind of they sterilize those jars they clean them right they don't just take a, a jar and it still has a little bit of stuff that was scraped out with a knife and go okay let's put some uh, blueberries in this they clean it that's forgiveness but then they fill it all up with what's good they don't just go like here's an empty if we get every christmas got a box full of empty jars we would be bummed out it would be better than a box of nasty dirty jars but we don't just want empty jars we want filled jars and that's what jesus christ provides for us he provides the righteousness of god newness of spirit so he gives us or regenerates us or borns us again births us again new we can have the living god christ the holy spirit dwelling in us under the new covenant, and we can have it says that we'd be taught by the spirit, or we can have God working in us. How many of you guys get convicted from time to time, daily, hourly? Just kidding. That's the Holy Spirit working in you. You don't have to go to a priest for that to happen. That's God working in you. How many of you, all of a sudden, you're reading scripture, and you're like, I never really understood that before. That makes so much sense and something's enlightened that's the holy spirit working in you that wasn't the case uh, unless under special circumstances in under the old covenant christ gives us a simple way he says do this in remembrance of me now imagine this if He said here's what i want you to do in remembrance of me you need to take a pilgrimage to the holy land find out where they think golgotha was and go to that hill once a year that's not what we need to do bread and cup he gives us a simple way that we on a regular basis can reflect back and look at him so one look back look at what christ has done look what christ has done for us look what christ has done for us as a whole and individually what christ has done they should have looked forward to christ's return it says for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you pro- proclaim the lord's death till he comes it's a pro, it's a proclamation. When we pass out these elements, we take these elements. We're preaching a sermon about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that He gave up His body, shed His blood, so that we could be made new. It's a physical sermon to show Christ's body sacrificed, torn, destroyed for our good. Christ's blood shed, opening up the way of a new covenant for me is. For me to experience forgiveness, regeneration, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit—that's a sermon. Now, can you start to see where? Wow, those Corinthians had it all messed up, man. They were looking at it as a party time, and it should be a celebration. But they—they they were making it a celebration about them instead of a celebration about the One who freed them and made them new. He says. uh He says, and proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, we need reminders till he comes, right? Doesn't it get? Watch the news. Can your eyes get off of Christ and what he's done pretty easy? Think about your annoying neighbors. Can your eyes get off of Christ? Think about all the bills you have to pay. Can your eyes get off of Christ and what he's done in your newness? And so we need a reminder. I think when Christ returns, we're not going to need a reminder anymore. We're not going to be celebrating communion when he comes. We're going to have a time to have a feast with him. And Christ even said, he said, I tell you, so when he he did this, when he initiated this, he said, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, the wine or the cup or the juice, whatever you want to call it, until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So we need to look back at what Christ has done, but we also need to look forward to go This is tied me over till I'm with him and I get to have it be at that marriage supper and we're going to have a big old feast and I'm sitting there with him having some cup and some bread together with Jesus Christ. And we need to to realize I need to remember that because that is my future. That is our future because of him. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So what he's saying here is I want you to look forward, realizing that you're going to be with me, that there's going to be a judgment seat. You're going to sit in front of me and I'm going to evaluate you. I'm going to evaluate you one day. We're going to kind of look at your life and you're going to get rewards or you're just going to be suffer loss for the unbelievers. They don't even get that opportunity as they go uh, straight out of the presence of God. Don't partake of communion in an unworthy manner. The idea here would be worth, and I have here a silver coin, a one ounce silver coin right now, it fluctuates as you all know, worth about $25. So if I had $25 in my hand and a silver coin in my hand, it's congruent, it's equal, it's in line, they're both in line with each other. If I had a silver coin in my hand, one ounce coin, in 60 cents would they be equal would they be in line would they be of the same worth no and so that's what he's saying he's saying when you do this it should be and celebrate communion it should be in line with what's been done it should be lined up and so he's saying that for a couple of reasons it wasn't in line because what christ had done to make them one they weren't living like that they weren't living as one It wasn't equal to what Christ had done and made them. No Jews, no Greeks, no rich, no poor, no. didn't say that, but you understand what I'm saying. And because they're supposed to be thinking about Christ, it's not on par. Like you get together and you say you're going to celebrate me and remember me. And you're worried about the awesome salsa you brought to this party and how nobody else better get into your guacamole and salsa that you made certainly not those people they didn't even get here we had the salsa gone before they got there they were working overtime so when he's saying it's in an unworthy manner here i died to bring all these people together under the blood of my son to make them new and the fact of the matter is you're you're supposed to be thinking about christ you're thinking about yourself and you're not thinking about your brothers and sisters you got this all back. He's like, you're not coming. He even said it. You're not coming together for the Lord's Supper. You're coming together to have a party, to just have fun together, with your little clique. And so he's saying it's totally inappropriate. It's not worth. It's not on par with. It's not equal. And so I was thinking about this. I'm like, what would be something that would be inappropriate? Think about making jokes at a funeral. If you're at a funeral, and a couple of people are in the back row, yucking it up, joking around. Would that be congruent to the situation? Would that be in line with? Would that be on par with the situation? No, it's totally inappropriate. So as you celebrate the Lord's Supper, it's totally inappropriate to be going at it with a selfish, condescending, arrogant, self-indulgent attitude. It's looking at what Christ has done. <clears throat> when we don't do it right, it actually pollutes the message of the gospel. Guilty of the blood, body and blood. What he's basically saying, he said, you're going to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord if you do this in an unworthy manner. That's, is that's a little scary? I know people, uh, there was actually a guy that was using meth fairly regularly, but he would have these stints. And so he would say, he would come in and he's like, there's no way I'm doing communion. I got high this week. Because? He did not want to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And I, in a large way, respect his decision. But I think he also wasn't taking care of those daily things to where he would have been and could have been and taking care of that and participated. Because if we wait till we have a perfect week or perfect month, none of us are worthy. And that's kind of how we need to realize, like, none of us are worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made but what it means is when you're guilty it means that you're treating it in an unworthy manner you're profaning it you're kind of like it's an insult to the elements to the representation of christ's body and blood and what he's saying he's saying that what he when he says guilty of the body and blood he's not saying okay those people in corinthians in corinth they're the ones that jesus had to pay the sins for no jesus paid for your sins my sins the person who has it together the most in here, he had to pay for your sins too. I know it's hard to believe, but he had to pay for your sins. And the rest of us low lives are on the really the same. He paid for our sins too. He paid for all of our sins. And so it's not that he paid for this one group sin. And so <clears throat> they should have looked back to what Christ had done. They should have looked forward knowing I'm gonna be standing before him. And they should have looked in. I want to be careful on this one because we love to look in. Don't we? we love to look in and back at our own lives. In and back and in and back. Of me, me, me. What's going on with me? How do I really feel right now? What I really happen? And there is an extent to where we do need to examine ourselves. But if you're, I would say, spend 80% of your time in comparison looking at Christ. And maybe 20% could probably be 90 and 10, and that would probably be healthy. If you're 90 me and 10 Christ, and Christ is just in your peripheral view, but what you're really thinking about is myself, my problems, my situation, how can I fix me? It's all backwards. But he does say to look in right here. He says, but let a man examine himself. Again, this would be under the power of the Holy Spirit, asking God to illuminate things in our life. Let a man examine himself, look inside. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many even sleep. so what he's saying is, hey, examine yourself because if you don't, it could lead to a spanking from God is essentially what he's saying. Take time to examine yourself for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world, so he says, discern this, and so what it means is, like, you're not thinking right about Christ, the sacrifice of Christ's body, about fellow believers, so I want you to examine yourself, think about what you do during an anniversary, how many guys, you have an anniversary, and you kind of start reflecting back on, how's it going, boy, those first couple rough years were rough, or man, this has really changed, for you know, I'd really think we need to start working on this. Or you think about a birthday. I recently had a 50th birthday a year ago, a year a little bit ago. And that was a time of evaluation. It was a time where I was kind of going, what do I want the next, hopefully 20, 25 years, maybe more to look like? What have I done so far? How am I living? So during the Lord's Supper, it's a good time for us to ask, is my life being lived in a way that's congruent or in line? with what jesus has done for me one of these things we were talking about may stick out more to you than another maybe you need to spend time looking back i would encourage everyone to do that maybe you need to spend some time looking forward i would encourage you to do that maybe you need to spend some time asking is my life lined up with what jesus did for me am i living in a way that demonstrates that jesus christ it says it says someone might die for a righteous man but no one's gonna die really for an unrighteous man Jesus Christ died for a bunch of unrighteous people. And so we we want to say like, is my life lined up with the sacrifice that he made? You know, a lot of times we want to take time. We'll go to a camp and we'll have this like recommitment or we'll go to a seminar and I'm not even against any of those things. And we'll have like, this is where I'm recommitted. I think God has built in the communion service, the Lord's supper as a time for us to reflect brief self-examination and go what needs to be different we don't necessarily need to go up to a church camp we don't need to go to a seminar that would be a time for us personally with him to go is my life being lived in a way that's congruent or in line with the sacrifice of jesus christ if not you'll be chastened. you'll be disciplined how many of you guys like spankings as a kid maybe you weren't a kid that got spankings you probably needed them just kidding uh, maybe you just needed consequences. Maybe you were one of those kids that your mom could tell you to just stop doing it and you stopped doing it right away. Some of us were a little harder headed than that. But it says that if you don't do what's right, God's going to discipline you. It's a reveal. Uh, so if, <laughs> what's gonna happen if you don't examine yourself properly, you're gonna get disciplined by God. And so this church is weak and sick And it says even some died because of the way that they were behaving. They're going to a love feast, bringing all their food, just thinking, whoo-hoo, Gonna have the Lord's Supper tonight, party down. This other guy's got, got his case of beer, whatever it is. They're going to have a good time. And little do they know, some of the people actually there are being disciplined by God to the fact that he's going, some of you guys are sick. Some of you guys are weak. There are some people that have even died because of this thing you guys got going. Does that show you how important the body of Christ is to him? He takes it serious. And so God, he's a good father and good parents. What they do is they discipline their kids. They promise them rewards or punishment or consequences, whatever terminology you want to use. This doesn't mean that all health problems are a result. If someone's sick, scripture makes it clear, not all sickness, you're like, oh, I've been sick. I must be getting judged. Scripture makes it very clear that's not always the case. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. The fact of the matter is, because we're God's children, we get corrected, not condemned. Correction is good. Condemnation is not. We we wouldn't want to condemn our kids, but we know they need correction. We love them. God corrects us and he loves us. They should have looked around in order to love one another. He gives some pretty simple instructions. When you come to eat, wait for one another. That's simple. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. The rest I will set in order when I come. That's pretty simple. You think he talks about all this complex stuff and new covenant and uh, judgment and all these things you would think like, oh boy, how are they going to fix this? How can they fix this mess? And I think he's saying, celebrate the Lord's Supper. Look back to what Christ has done. Remember to look forward. Remember to look in. And remember to look around. Treat each other with respect by the way that you're getting together. He says, wait till every, is this simple? Wait till everyone arrives. And eat at home if you're hungry. (laughs) That's pretty simple. The issue was a heart issue. With the right heart, the problem was a, it, it was a pretty simple thing. They, if they would adjust their heart, they would, they would have a pretty simple thing. So, again, as we celebrate communion, I would encourage you, take some time to look back. I'll, I'll kind of walk you through that for a second. And as we uh, get the elements, they're going to be in the back there, and I'll just say, okay, you know, want the first three rows here or whatever, I'll kind of do that. But then we're going to kind of just, once everybody has a, elements i'm not going to drag it out but just go like take a minute to look back at what christ has done for you take a minute to look forward to the fact that you're going to be with him for eternity one day take a second under the power of the holy spirit look in see how he wants to and needs to evaluate you look around consider your brothers and sisters that jesus christ died for how can you love and bless them